Hi, and welcome to After Hours from WVBR News. This episode brings you reports on local COVID trends, student elections, Tompkins County elections, and this year's abridged version of Ithaca's Apple Fest. I'm News Director Grace Fairchild, and with this, we welcome you to our department's Fall 2020 News Production. We're releasing this episode on Saturday, October 3rd, so from here, we have a lot of ground to cover as we close in on the November 3rd election. Alright, so here's the plan for programming this fall. We're going to broadcast Talk of the Town on Saturdays at 3 p.m. Eastern on your favorite station, WVBR 93.5 FM Ithaca's Alternative. And after each broadcast, we'll repackage the highlights of the show for podcast platforms, so those stories will end up here on After Hours. We have some excellent new contributors in the news department this fall, including two new voices you'll get to hear today. So I'm so excited to see what kind of stories we can deliver from this head-spinning news cycle. I hope you'll stick with us for the Cornell, Ithaca, and Tompkins County perspective. Izzy Frabata is on the science beat for us this semester, and this week she looked into Cornell and Ithaca's recent success in containing coronavirus cases. Here's Izzy. On Cornell University's Ithaca campus, COVID-19 seems to be largely under control. In an article published in the Wall Street Journal on Wednesday, September 30th, President Martha Pollack and Provost Michael Kotlikoff spoke about the current success of the university's response plan, touting an extraordinarily low rate of infection and a program that tests more than 30,000 individuals per week. According to Cornell's COVID tracking dashboard, daily positive cases this past week have been hovering around 0 to 1, and quarantine room availability is sitting at a comfortable 98%. Remarkably, this low positivity rate and general spirit of optimism come less than one month after the identification of a 39-person cluster linked to student gatherings where behavioral guidelines were ignored. The swiftness with which this cluster was contained bodes well for Cornell's plan to continue providing in-person instruction until Thanksgiving break. In comparison, how are the larger communities of Tompkins County, New York State, and the nation as a whole faring? Data provided by the Tompkins County Health Department, or TCHD, shows zero active COVID-19 hospitalizations and 21 active cases as of October 1st. For a population of roughly 103,000 people, these numbers are impressive and reflect the robust testing and tracing efforts performed by the essential workers of the TCHD and Cayuga Health Services, and of the concerted masking and distancing efforts made by the citizens of Tompkins County. Still, it is important to recognize that COVID remains a threat to the community. On September 30th, it was announced that an employee of the Cascadilla Street Green Star grocery store tested positive for the virus. According to Brandon Kane, general manager of the location, the employee is not believed to have had contact with the public, is in isolation, and all individuals believed to have been exposed have been contacted by the TCHD. Kane reiterated that the employees of Green Star locations follow all safety protocols required by public health authorities, including regular cleaning and mandatory masking. Despite this incident, Tompkins County and the Finger Lakes region are faring better than other areas throughout the state. From September 28th to the 30th, the Finger Lakes region had an average positive test rate of 0.6%. Comparatively, the Mid-Hudson region's average was 2.4%, and the Long Island region's was 1.2%. Meanwhile, despite a slow downward trend, the U.S. is still recording an average of about 42,000 new cases per day. 
Among these new cases is President Donald Trump, the First Lady, and senior presidential aide Hope Hicks, who were diagnosed following Tuesday's debate. The White House reports that both President Trump and the First Lady are showing mild symptoms and will be quarantined for at least two weeks. Clearly, Tompkins County residents must remain vigilant and adhere to New York State's recommended personal hygiene guidelines. In particular, college-age individuals must remember to stay safe and do their part to protect others, as individuals ranging from 20 to 29 make up a disproportionate number of total positive cases in Tompkins County. Both on and off campus, there is room for cautious optimism. Even as other universities, such as Notre Dame and the University of Alabama, battle flare-ups and hotspots, Cornell appears, for the moment, to be exceeding expectations. As a reminder, any Tompkins County resident wishing to be tested can do so for free at the drive-up testing site at the shops at Ithaca Mall, Monday through Friday from 8.30 a.m. to 4.30 p.m. Schedule your test by visiting CayugaHealthSystem.org or by calling 607-319-5708. As we head into one of the most unusual cold and flu seasons in recent memory, our individual and collective efforts will determine whether we can keep the COVID-19 threat under control. This has been Izzy Fabata for WVBR News. Thank you, Izzy. Now we'll head into the election arena as Christopher Morales has a rundown on voting information for Tompkins County residents. We are closing in on the November 3rd general election, but beyond the message, go vote, voters should make a plan on how they will cast their ballot. As a reminder, the registration deadline in New York State is October 9th. Those eligible to vote are U.S. citizens who meet their state's residency requirements and are 18 years or older on or before election day. All voters are encouraged to double-check their registration. With growing concerns over the coronavirus, local election boards also provide early voting and vote-by-mail options. First, voters can begin casting their ballot in person through early voting beginning Saturday, October 24th through Sunday, November 1st. Hours vary across the days, but the two designated locations in Tompkins County for early voting will be the Town of Ithaca Town Hall and Crash Fire Rescue. Voters with health concerns can request an absentee ballot following a bill signed by Governor Cuomo. Voters should submit temporary illness as their reason. The last day to request an absentee ballot is October 27th, and the last day to postmark an absentee ballot is November 3rd. The United States Postal Office recommends acting at least seven days before Election Day to ensure everything arrives on time. Moreover, avoid common mistakes on your absentee ballot, such as improperly filling out your ballot, forgetting to sign your envelope, or using a different signature not on state record. Finally, voters can vote in person on November 3rd at polling places between 6 a.m. and 9 p.m. Masks will be required by voters and poll workers and expect social distancing to be enforced. However, the State Board of Elections suggests polling places offer an isolated area for voters unable to wear masks. To learn more about registration deadlines, absentee ballot applications, early voting hours, and polling locations, visit TompkinsCountyNY.gov forward slash BOE. This report will be posted on WVBR.com. For WVBR News, I'm Christopher Morales. And for another case study on Democratic elections, Clara Enders looked into Cornell's student assembly elections, which experienced several hiccups this week. Let's go to Clara now. 
The presidential election has dominated the news for what seems like forever. But this week, Cornell had an election scandal of its very own. Voting in the student assembly election was originally planned to take place from Tuesday, September 30th to Thursday, October 1st. Students would cast their ballots through an online form, either selecting one of two candidates or ranking their preferences in races with three or more contenders. Late Wednesday, rumors began circulating on Reddit and other online forums that in order for a ballot to be counted, voters needed to rank every option. For example, if a voter had only ranked their first choice and left the others blank, the ballot did not count. This differs from traditional ranked voting systems, where voters can rank as many or as few candidates as they wish, since a candidate must secure a majority of votes to be declared the winner. By the time the Student Assembly Elections Committee confirmed this in an email to students on Thursday, the election period had ended. To make things fair, the election committee decided to void all ballots for the two ranked categories, President of the Student Assembly and University Assembly Representative. Unranked elections continued, with Annie Vale and Sonu Kapoor being named representatives for the College of Engineering, Marty Ashardo as the Dyson representative, Lucy Contreras as the first-generation student representative at large, Kayla Butler, Andrea Miramontes-Serrano, Claire Templeman, and Amari Lampert taking on freshman representative roles, Genevieve Bansaw as the hotel school representative, and Kate Santa Cruz representing transfer students. Voting for the president and university assembly representative will be open from noon on Friday, October 2nd until noon on Monday, October 5th. The student assembly focuses mainly on issues pertinent to the undergraduate student population at Cornell, whereas the university assembly examines matters that impact the Cornell community as a whole, mainly faculty and staff. There are five candidates for the university assembly representative, freshman Peter Wanger, sophomores Avery Bowers and Eric Kirikosian, junior Jude Martini, and senior Bennett Scher. Only one will win. There are three candidates for the president position, Kat Huang, Uche Chukwukere, and Dylan Anadkat. Kat Huang is a senior who is currently the executive vice president of the student assembly. She hopes to increase health and safety on campus by reviewing the student health insurance plan, pursuing fair health care for low-income, first-generation, and undocumented students, and disarming and defunding the Cornell University Police Department. Other goals include establishing resources for food insecurity and mental health on campus and advocating for a commitment to carbon neutrality by 2030. Dylan Anodkat, also a senior, is not currently a member of the SA. The main focus of his platform is to reverse Greek life reforms and involve more Greek leaders in conversations with school administrators. He also wants to focus on environmentally friendly policies and ways to make financial aid more available. He advocates for the SA to do a full review of Cornell's endowment to ensure that it is invested and distributed responsibly. Uche Chukukere is a senior who has essay experience as the former undesignated representative at large and the LGBTQ liaison at large. He wants to better the university's crisis responses by supporting grassroots organizations including Do Better Cornell, which he helped to establish, and Cornell Students for Black Lives. He is also in favor of disarming, defunding, and disbanding the CUPD. To increase accessibility on campus, he plans to eliminate the student contribution fee, review ADA compliance of campus facilities, and provide free menstrual products to the Cornell community. Through campus review boards focusing on Greek life and the experiences of minority and international students, he aims to make Cornell more welcoming for all.
With revised election mechanics, students can vote for the President of the Student Assembly and the University Assembly representative until Monday at vote.assembly.cornell.edu by signing in with their Cornell credentials. Winners are expected to be announced late Monday night. For WVBR News, I'm Clara Enders. For our final story today, Charlie Mullen visited the Ithaca Commons for a taste of this year's downsized Apple Fest. Here's Charlie. Ithaca's popular Apple Harvest Festival is no stranger to changes caused by the COVID-19 pandemic. Usually bustling with patrons in the Ithaca Commons and packed to the brim with vendors, the Apple Fest usually attracts many from upstate New York. This year, the fest was originally canceled back in July, but since then it has been rescheduled and de-densified. Typically, the event is held over three days and attracts upwards of 75,000 people. Along with vendors, the event usually has musicians performing and other sources of entertainment. It's usually an all-day festival with activities for all ages. This year, the entertainment has been nixed and the number of vendors per day has been reduced. The length of the event has also been doubled to promote social distancing and to allow for the same cast of vendors to attend. No changes have been made in regards to the products sold at the festival. The famous apples still fill baskets in front of their vendors, apple cider vats have not left the stands, and the cider donuts are still sold in massive amounts. But when I visited on Friday, the festival looked different than in years past. Stands were no longer squeezed together to take advantage of the limited space. Instead, only six vendors were in the plaza. The fest felt a lot quieter over the cloudy weekend. The usual speakers blasting local musicians and vendors screaming orders over the crowd were absent. I asked Olivia Pastella, an organizer of the festival, how she thought the festival had changed this year due to COVID. So we were really limited in what we could do as far as organizing and gathering people. We decided to support the farmers, um, knowing that they had a loss in revenue and business that they normally would have during the large apple festival. We were able to organize a small farmer's market, but we weren't able to support our craft vendors or our food vendors. So we are operating in a capacity like extremely limited and uh, doing this pop-up market in Bank Alley of Ithaca Commons where only 50 people maximum can attend, whereas last year we had 75,000 people over the three days. The 50-person max was filled this past Friday. The attendance of Cornell students in Ithaca residents was in full force. The line for apple cider donuts had over 30 people and other vendors like the cold cider vendor and pie vendor had healthy lines for the products too. This microcosm of the usual Apple Harvest Festival in a weird pandemic-ridden year still managed to provide the Ithaca community a small celebration of the autumn harvest. Visitors could still rely on the festival for their bundles of fry pies and bags of cider donuts, except this time they had to mask up and sanitize to get in. The festival continues from 12 p.m. to 4 p.m. until October 4th in the Ithaca Commons. This is Charlie Mullen reporting from WVBR News. I suppose not all is lost as long as there are still apple cider donuts. That's all the news we have for you today, but we'll be back with more stories next week, so be sure to listen live to Talk of the Town on 93.5 FM at 3 p.m. on Sunday, and keep checking back for more episodes of After Hours. Transcripts of today's reports will be posted on wvbr.com news, and while you're out on our website, you should check out our other news show, Black Voices on the Hill. Black Voices on the Hill airs on Fridays on 93.5 at 2 p.m. and is hosted by Daniel James II. Our next episode features an interview with Ithaca Mayor, Savante Myrick, so you won't want to miss it. That's it from me. Follow at WVBR FM News on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. From WVBR News, 
I'm Grace Fairchild.